Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from our series entitled, Abraham, the Father of Our Faith. For more information about CBC or how you can get plugged in, visit the website, cbcsavannah.com. truth is some of us came this morning the last thing we're thinking about is you as our treasure you as our king just trying to get through the week and looking ahead and so I just pray just even now just for a time of focus and time of intentionality as we come to your word uh, that we would hear that we would listen that we be doers of your word Uh, this is a kind of a interesting challenging text a little bit this morning Lord and a lot of fun as well and so I just pray that your spirit your spirit which dwells in us, your people, would speak through me to, to someone who doesn't have all the answers and certainly is, is far from perfect, but yet your word is true, your, your, your guidance is, is faithful, and when we trust in you with our whole heart, when we lean not on our understanding, when in all our ways acknowledge you, then you will direct our path. And so I pray we would in this, in this, this, this issue we're going to talk about today, and so please help me. Please encourage your people, Lord. And and this is such a a beautiful way in which we as Christians can shine as light in a dark world uh, if if we take these things to heart. And so just just be one of many opportunities for us to be distinct, to be light in this world that you've placed us in in Savannah and beyond. And so we pray you do that for your great name's sake, Father. Amen. Thanks. You guys have a seat. All right. This, this is one of those sermons today, it, it could be a lot of fun or it could get me fired. Um, so I'm hoping it's the first thing. Um, but it's, it's, it's Abraham finding his son a wife. All right, and, and that in itself is just, it's just radically different. I mean, if you think Abraham is going to find his son a spouse. Now, I'm all for this. I mean, that was, that was high school. I, I thought that was crazy. And as a father now, I'm thinking, I'm looking at the, the choices some of my children make. I'm thinking, I don't know if they can handle this choice. I got this, I got this for you. But it's just so different culturally. It's like looking back in history. You look back 250 years ago and, and, and you look at how warfare, you look at the Civil War or the Revolutionary War, you got guys in bright jackets standing 100 feet from each other, shooting each other. And we're like, that's crazy. It's crazy. Well, it's kind of, when we look at, when we read this text, it's like, this is how you did dating? This is how you found a spouse? That's crazy. And, and I feel that, and, I, and, there, and the tension is there, right? But here's what I want to suggest to you this morning. That there's some ideas that we can grab out of this text when we're talking about singleness, dating, finding spouses, all those things, that are not actually so foreign after all. Now, I'm not saying let's kiss dating goodbye or say hello to some other formula. Okay, I'm not going there. But let's just be honest. When we're talking about culture and dating and singleness, culture's not doing so well. It is not. All right? I mean, this is why The Bachelor is popular. All right? Because you, you watch it, ladies, and some of you closet guy watchers. You know, I'm just waiting to ensure my wife's, you know, making, not watching bad stuff. Who got the rose? All right, anyway. You watch it because you want to see 24 girls get dumped. And it feels pretty good because you're like, she's kind of pretty. She needs to be dumped. And you watch it because then you want to see after the rose. Did they make it? Did they really make it? Oh, what's really happening? Right? That's, that, and it's all messed up. But that's, you, that's, the date, that's dating, really. I mean, when you hear, think of, talk about singles about dating, you got you know, words like frustrating and, and it's, it's a cycle and, and there's no commitment and all these uncertainty and all these things. And so what we do is we take this model and some of y'all are, are that's what your model is. And so then you, all of a sudden, you're going to get married and you're going to put on a nice dress and you're going to eat some cake and someone's going to do a toast. And we expect that marriages are going to be different when this is what, how we're doing dating, Right? And so I think it's time as Christians, we need to kind of get ahead of this instead of behind it and rethink the whole deal. And don't, I'm, again, I'm not saying the dads are going to all be, we're going to be arranged marriages now, although I think we should seriously think about that, men. 
But I am saying this. We need to start thinking biblically about what dating, singleness, and all these things look like. And here's a, this is why it's huge. Because some of you are like, oh, this is not a sermon for me because I'm married and blah, 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 blah. Here's why it's big for us as a church. Because in this church, we have, I don't know how many hundreds of singles. I mean, if you count all the middle schoolers, because they're single, you're single, right, middle schoolers, right? And high schoolers, and then all the single adults, you have over 50% of our congregation is single. I think it's actually maybe, I don't know if it's less or more. I think really we don't have 1,400 people on a Sunday. I think we got like six and all the singles come to two services to try to find the fifth But, But really, <laughs> I, that's, it's a huge portion of our church. And if you're an older, been married 20 years, these, the, the most least qualified person to be married is who? A single person. Right, you can write that one down. And so they need married people saying, hey, here's what we did right, here's what we did wrong. You got kids, you got grandkids, you got nieces, you got nephews, you got that knucklehead over there that you know. And so it's important for us to get this. So we're gonna talk about dating, singleness, all these things. If you get mad at me, that's fine. Email Rad and he will deal with it. But... If your daughter breaks up with someone this week, fathers, you owe me a lunch. Okay, just saying. All right, we're going to be in Genesis 24. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this big passage of Scripture. We're going to kind of fly through portions of it. We're going to summarize portions of it because it's 67 verses. But there's some ideas here to help us work through and navigate these things. It's not a formula. If you're looking for a formula, how do I find a spouse? How do I do dating? If someone says they know what they're talking about and they give you a formula, they don't know what they're talking about. Okay, so just the Christian life is not formulaic. We know that. There's no rule. There's a couple rules, maybe. No skinny jeans, get a job. Those are rules. But really, in all fairness, there's not a lot of rules. But there are some principles, okay? And so we're going to work through this. And I got several of them for you this morning. Just a couple disclaimers. Number one, I'm going to open some can of worms. I'm not going to be able to put back in. And, and that's okay. I'm not going to be able to answer every question because you're like, wait, wait, I got three questions based on that. That's fine. You can email us. You can, but I'm, this is big picture today. So I'm not going to answer every single circumstance. And don't ex, please don't expect it. And, and I want you to actually go back and dig and start thinking about these things yourself. Because I don't want you to be a bunch of robots and just do what Bill says. I want you to think for yourself. God has given you a mind and he's given you an ESV Bible. Or an NIV if you're super unspiritual, whatever. But you go read it and see if I'm lying and figure it out and talk and get in community and ask people questions. Okay, we want to think biblically as a congregation, okay? So that's, that's disclaimer number one. Disclaimer number two, let me, I say this a lot. Singles, you are a vital part of this church. And so the reality is, statistically, some of you, most of you are going to get married. Some of you, God is not, he's called you to singleness. Both things are great, all right? And so please understand that these principles, they're, they're designed for this and that, but there's no more value in getting married than being single. There's not. And if you're thinking, oh, I need to get married because uh, it'll solve all my problems. Marriage solves zero problems. There's just as many challenges in singleness. There's more challenges in marriage than singleness. Okay, Paul says that. But understand, wherever God has you, and I told you this last week, I want you to enjoy the season God has you in now. Just en enjoy the singleness. You can go play kickball next week. I can't play kickball next week. Drew doesn't want to play kickball next week. Y'all can play kickball next week, all right? It's, it's a great season, so enjoy it. And, and third disclaimer, Mo, most of the things that we're gonna talk about, most of us blew up. All the married folks are gonna be like, well, I didn't do that. That's why this thing's a mess. It, 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 I didn't do it. I didn't know it. Some of them I did, some of them I did. And so if you're here and you're like, man, where, am I destined for a life of misery? You are not because we have a God who gave his son to die on a cross for our sins to redeem and rescue. And so there is no, never too broken. There's never too far gone. So if you're thinking, oh man, we've messed this thing up royally with our kids and with everything else. It is not too late because of Christ. And so always understand that. The goal is restorative and redemptive, and that's, that's the Savior we serve. If there was someone in here that did it all right, they should be up here. And no one did. And so, but these, these are just things we want to we start seeing our people. Because we want marriages to, to glorify God. And we want kids to grow up in these homes where they see the gospel modeled. And it starts before. It starts with the dating process. So let's jump in. That's a lot of intro. But here we go. Chapter 24, verse 1. Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in all things. He is way up there in years. His wife has just passed away about three years earlier. He doesn't know it, but he actually has 
about 35 more years. Okay, he doesn't know at this point. But big thing for him now is he's got to find a wife for his son. That was the job of the parents, right? This is the promised son. He's got to find him a wife. So he's going to give instructions on how this will take place. Verse 2 through 4. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. He goes to his chief servant and says, I want you to get a wife for Isaac. Talk about pressure. You want me to get a wife for my future boss? It's not like going out and getting some grain and killing a cow. I had to buy a house one time that my wife didn't get to see until we moved in. That was pressure, but that was only for three years. So even if it was awful, I knew it was just for seminary. This is a marriage. Find a wife, right? Find her, but don't take her from the Canaanites. Because what Abraham knows is marriage in that day was like a contract. It's a uniting of clans. And so not only are these a super immoral people, we've seen that. So he doesn't want to unite with that. But also he doesn't want that melting pot of all these nations. So he says, go back to where we're from and you take a wife from my family for Isaac. A lot of pressure. The guy says, well, what if she won't come? Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must it then take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham says, and it's real emphatic in the Hebrew, no, do not, is the, is the emphasis. See to it, you do not take my son back there. This is our home. This is the land God has promised. He has been faithful throughout. Stay here. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and, and you shall take away from my son there. He says, God will lead you. Uh, he's, he's done it all so far. Abraham is finally learning to trust. It's only taken him like 150 years. God will take care of it. You just go, right? And he says, now, if, if the woman is not willing, if you get the right girl and she's not willing to come, okay, then the oath is over. You don't have to, then your oath is broken. But you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under his thigh. It's very cultural. It's the way they sign a contract. Aren't we glad we don't do that anymore? And he swore to him concerning, I mean, I'm so glad for lawyers for because of this passage right here. Uh, and he swore to him concerning this matter. And so here's the big thing. He says to this guy, you are going to find her a wife. Here's, here, you can pick any woman from that whole land you want. She can be 5'7", 5'2", blonde, brunette, gluten-free, sugar-free, whatever. It doesn't matter. Anything you want, only this. She cannot be a Canaanite. She's got to be part of my family. Great freedom there. And here's, here's the first thing for us this morning. It is the big E on the I chart. It is where we start, okay? Here, for, for you singles, for your dating, teaching your kids, teaching your grandkids, here's the thing. As a Christian, you are free to marry, date, hang out with, go play kickball with, whoever you want. Tall, short, athletic, non-athletic, you know, what likes pizza, likes whatever. You can date anybody you want, any race, any location, any socioeconomic status, except they got to be in Christ. Anyone you want in Christ, period. End of story, right? And there's multiple reasons. I'm not even going to have time to unpack. You know, you, you hear this often. We got to be equally yoked. Most of us have no clue what that means, but it's the, like Christian phrase. Yeah, equally yoked. What does that mean? Is that two eggs, one egg? I don't know what that means. The idea is there's two oxen and the oxen need to be the same size. Because if you got giant oxen, you got little billy oxen, then what's going to happen? The giant one's going to drive and it's going to go all crazy and it's not going to be straight. They're not going to pull together. They're not going to go together. That's the idea. And, and so Paul says this is in your partnerships, in your relationships, all these things, don't, don't do that. But here's the big, here's the big reason why. One of the main purposes of marriage is oneness. And oneness is a, it's a physical reality, but it's a spiritual reality that you spend your entire life living out. And if, if oneness is going to take place in marriage, there's got to be a common foundation. Period. It's just got to be. Right? you you got to have that same foundation, that same goal. I want to live for Christ. I'm going to serve Christ. I'm going to love God. 
If one person has that goal and the other person, even if they're indifferent, not, not even if they're opposed, but even if they're indifferent, it, it, it kills oneness. It's hard to have it. And then what I'm not saying is this. I'm not saying that non-Christians cannot have good marriages. That's not what I'm saying, so don't hear that. Because I know a lot of non-believers that have great marriages and love each other. And what I'm not saying is if you, di- if you didn't do this and you married a non-believing spouse, that you're, you're destined for a life of misery. I'm not saying that either. But what I'm saying is for the singles now, the principle laid out in scripture is you need to marry someone who worships the same God that you worship. Okay? Because marriage is difficult enough as it is. When you don't have the the basis for your forgiveness in marriage is the gospel, is Jesus and and his church. If you don't have that, not to mention the issues with, well, you want to raise kids in the church, well, he doesn't care. Well, why does mommy love Jesus and daddy doesn't love Jesus? You got all sorts of other things that are down the line. But just the principle is marry in Christ. And here's the practical side of that. Okay, here, let's get ahead of it. If you only can marry in Christ, what does that mean for dating? All right, what, what does that mean for, for, for dating? Which, by the way, dating is the on-ramp to marriage. Okay, it's the on-ramp. It is, it is the ultimate goal of dating is marriage. And we need to get away from this recreational dating as a sport deal. That's the culture, right? Where it's uh, connect physically, emotionally, whatever, break up, connect, break up, break up, connect, connect, go through that cycle. How does that prepare a young couple for oneness? It doesn't doesn't prepare. And so here it is. Let me say it as clear as I can. All right, singles, late high schools, middle schoolers, elementaries, whatever you are, 40-year-olds, Christian should never, ever, ever, never, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever be romantically involved with a non-Christian. You say, what do you mean? <laughs> you are to live your life on mission. You are not to missionary date. That's what I mean. Okay? Oh, I'm going to win him to Jesus because Pastor Bill's going to yell at him and he's going to get saved. And then I can marry him because he's cute. Maybe. It's, it's, it's not. You, you are free in Christ to marry whoever you want. And, and do you want them to be cute? Y- yes. Let's not over-spiritualize this thing. You want to be attracted to the person. Okay, let's get that out there. You're like, oh, he's got four arms, but he's a Christian, so that's great. No, you want to be attracted to him. That's fine. But you start in Christ. And this is what it means. It probably means that if you're looking for a spouse, that you're not going to find him at 3 a.m. on River Street. Wow, I'm down on River Street looking for a matriarch. She's not there. She's at home watching Anne of Green Gables, okay? So this is a great place. Kickball is a great place. Church is a great place to find them. Not only place, but find them. Here's the thing, though. Just because, and, and this is your warning, because there's sharks in the lake, ladies. Just because they go to church doesn't mean I'm a Christian. Well, he believes in God. He told me. Yeah, so do demons. You want to marry a demon? Okay. You want to see a person who follows Christ. And that takes time as a time thing. Right? Just because they go to church. Oh, you gotta go. he goes to church, he's got a job. Those are my two requirements. Go. That, job is good. Church is good. Make sure he loves God. Make sure he's a Christian. All right? It's the biggie in the eye chart. And I spend so much time on it, y'all, because some of you know this, and you've been told this, and you think you can get around it and handle it. I know it. You're like, oh, I know, but there's only, no one's really interested in me, but this guy is. Maybe he'll come to Christ. Maybe. I'll take him to a small group. I'll take him to this. And he might but you don't want to be romantically involved with the guy if not, because then you get too emotionally attached and then it's hard to break and then it's too late. All right, just keep this in front of you. This is why you got to date in community. This is why you got to be in community because someone's going to call you out and say, what are you doing, knucklehead? That's, that's why, all right? That's the first thing, all right? So he, he wants them to take from his own. Here's what happens, verse 10. Servant gets on the way. Servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. He arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. So he goes to this well. He goes all the way back. He goes by a well. By the way, a well is a great place in the Bible to find a wife. Moses gets his wife. You know where? At a well. Jacob finds his wife. You know where? At a well. You want to get married? Go find a well. (laughs) Somebody should open a restaurant. The well. Everyone gets married at the well. All right. So he's got this huge task ahead of him. 
God promised he's going to lead him. So what does he do? He prays. He says, oh, Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today. Show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water and the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. He is going to pray, but he is going to pray super specific. Not just, God, show me a woman. That's a good start. But he is going to pray, I, I want a, a lady who's going to give me water and then she's going to water my camels. All right? He says, let the woman who I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink and who shall say, drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one you have appointed. Very specific. By this I'll know that you've shown hesed, faithful, super faithful, covenantal love to, to Abraham. And I love this. He hasn't even finished his prayer. Before he finished speaking, behold, Rebecca. And the narrator draws you in with this, this Hebrew word, hey, behold, look, Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel. She is, she's basically Isaac's first cousin once removed. I mean, how random is that, right? And even better, she's a hottie. The young woman was attractive. He's like double, I got a family member and she's cute. And she comes down to the spring and she starts filling up her jar. And, and, and I love this, he runs. He runs, isn't that great? He ran and said, please give me a drink of your water. He just prayed. Now he's, he's putting feet to his prayer. He's trusting that God is gonna answer. Here's the second thing for y'all. And this is kind of a spiritual principle, but it's a huge one. Is this whole process of dating singleness, just entrust God with this process. Because some of you are so worried. You're like, what if I miss the one? I mean, I, I, what if I didn't, I should have said hi, and I didn't say hi, he smiled at me, and now he was the one, and I just missed him, and now he's going flying to Missouri, and I'm never going to see him again. Does that sound like God? The God, the good father who says marriage is good and it is a gift and, and, I, and, I, and I give it to you and it's, it's supposed to picture me. Does it sound like God to say, yeah, I sent him to you and you just tied your shoe at the wrong time and so you're, you're done. Does that sound like a good God? I, so you can trust him with this, right? Just what you need to do, singles and parents praying for your kids, you need to be praying right now. For, for you're, you're, well, my kid's six, great. Pray that this boy, this girl is being raised in a home that's being taught the Bible like you. That's got good community around them. That they're gonna grow up and they're gonna have, have the, the responsibility of being a husband or a future wife. Praying that way. Have you spent any time praying about it, singles? Or are you just kind of like christianmingle.com? Farmer.com, whatever that one commercial is. Farmer dating, I don't know. I mean, spend some time praying about it. And I know that's the Christian answer, but it is because it's what, we have a real God, y'all, a real father who really does love you, who really does hear prayer and who delights to answer it. So let's, let's do it. Let's pray a little bit about it. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And what happens? All these things will be added. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path to Mr. Right, Mrs. Right. If he wants you to be married, maybe you should be asking the question, God, do you want me even to be married? Or is this a season where I should be thinking about this? Just talk to him. He will lead and trust this thing to him. Pray. And, and when you pray, look, this is, this is Bible. And so it's, it is very unique. This is God's covenant guy. I would not suggest you praying something like, God, the first guy with a red sweater who likes puppies, that's the guy. Okay, maybe. But this is... This is a unique situation. Be very careful. But pray. Seek the Lord. And relax because he, he knows and he's good. And trust him with the process. So he prays a specific thing. Verse 18, it happens just like, just like he prayed. She says, drink my Lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon their hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. How great is that? He's like, look at that. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran into the well. And she, and she goes back and forth. Now here's what you gotta get. He, I, and here's what I love. Look, look at verses, what is it, uh, 21. The man gazed at her in silence. He's just watching. He's watching her. Right? And here, here's what you have to understand. This is not like, hey, you want a bottle of Dasani? Can I get some from your camels too? A camel drinks between 20 and 50 gallons of water at a time. He's got 10. Let's say it's a minimum. That's 200 gallons of water. But let's say she's got a bucket that holds two gallons. She's running back in the fo fourth a hundred plus times in the heat. 
filling up the troughs while he's just watching. This is, I mean, if you do one and one every minute, you're still doing it for 90 minutes. She is running back and forth for two plus hours watering his camels. So don't just think it's like, hey, here's a bottle of water. It's, it's just huge. And he's watching because he, he wants to see, is this the one? She is proving herself not only to be a family member, but she is a woman of character. She is a servant. This is a stranger. It's, it's truly just she is a woman of integrity and he's watching. And here's the third thing for you, okay? And this is a biggie. As you're looking, as you're scanning the horizons for the Mr. and Mrs. Wright, as you're, you're teaching your children what to look for, look for character. First thing we look for is what? Cute, cuteness, okay? Okay, we're owning it. If you think that you're like, oh, he looks like Frankenstein, I can't marry him, get that. There needs to be a physical attraction aside, but we, we need to look quickly at character. We need to look quickly at, at who they are. And this is where the modern dating model, y'all, fails you. It, it fails you because dating is the opposite of marriage. All right, you, you need to know that because dating is, is putting on your best every day. This is why the... Ugh, this is why again the bachelor fails. Of course they're gonna fall in love. Get anybody a helicopter, a private island. He doesn't have to pay for anything. It's of course they're gonna fall in love. I love him, but you've been out once with him. I know, but we were on a helicopter. <laughs> we went skydiving. Yeah, I mean, that's not life. This is why all of, all of them break up because then they have to talk on the phone and they're like, "Oh, who is this guy? There's no helicopter. Where's the helicopter?" life is rarely that orchestrated that's so undistracted where you're just looking across the table and and into the eyes and tell me what's in your heart sweetheart because men ladies lie (laughs) thank you William (laughs) Kane. they will tell you what you want to hear they're like nacho libre everything you just said is my favorite thing to do Every day. <laughs> All right. And, and I'm not trying to over-romanticize it a bit because we want to be romantic and we want to woo our wives and our, and our husbands. But we act like it's some miracle of connection where we talked all night in the beach. And he, like, he, he likes puppies. I like puppies. He likes Bon Jovi. I like Bon Jovi. He, I asked him about work. He said he's going to get a job. and we act like that's a miracle it's just not the way to get to know people it's not okay because most of life is not sunsets and, and, and Bon Jovi this is why married people go on dates to get away from what is the most of life this is why it's important for married people to get away. Because it's, it's, it's not life. And so look at, when you're looking for a person, look for character. Tommy Nelson, pastor in Denton, Texas, has like thousands of singles, great singles ministry. He says this, you want to find a spouse, you want to find someone today, he says, run hard after the Lord. You, you run hard after the Lord, use your gifts, use your passions, wherever God's put you. And, and as you're running, take a quick look to the left and the right out of the corner of your eye. And who, the person that you see running alongside, that's a person you ought to look for. Right? Because that's, that's a person of character. Because there's something attractive. Godliness is attractive to, to godly people, for people who are looking for, for that. And you'll see it. And so do life, do normal life. Just do things that are normal because that's life. If you don't like this person as a friend, if you don't like just hanging out and being and not going on the helicopter, you're not gonna like him as a spouse. I promise you, I promise you. You gotta do life and observe life and normal monotonous stuff with their family. And this is huge because everyone knows this for the opposites attract, you realize that. There's a few of you in this room that you married your, your similar and we don't understand you, most of us. Most of us married opposites. So the messy married the clean and the rom-com married the sci-fi guy and the loud married the quiet and the spender married the saver, right? 
And that's the reason that is because there's something attractive about that opposite to you. It's something you lack. It's something you don't have. And so you're drawn to it. And that is a good thing. But you got to understand this. And all the married people are like, uh-huh. There is a shadow side to that. So you are, you, you, you're a little bit insecure, man. And she brings security to you. And, and, and she affirms you, and you're attracted to that. And, and, and ladies, he, you didn't have a, a strong man in your life, but he's decisive, and he makes decisions, and he knows what he's doing. Those are great, and that's attracted to you. But here's the thing. What you don't understand is on the, on the flip side, that is going to drive you nuts sometimes. So you love that he was so carefree, and he doesn't make his bed. He's just so carefree. He's like, we're sleeping. I'm going to sleep in it tonight. Why should I make that bed? And you're so excited about that when you're dating. It's going to drive you nuts one day. You go, why don't you ever make the bed? And, and you were so attracted because he, he, he made decisions and you knew what he wanted to do and what do you want to do? Well, let's just do this. And, and that was great and it was attractive. But at some point he's going to bulldoze over you and make a bonehead move and you're going to be like, grab me nuts sometimes. And you can only see those things. And that is good. Just understand that you're never going to find that that doesn't. But you can only see that in real life situations. As you hang in real life, in community, with other friends, with mentors, doing normal stuff. Right? That, that's, that's, that's important. And then you can see character. How he talks to his mama. How he, how he treats the waitress. Does he show up to work on time? How does he spend his money? What's he do with his friends? It's, it's, it's vital. And that's why we would tell you just you got to be in dating and community with others. Right? Not always in isolation. Looking for character. Not perfection. Someone not, who's not perfect, you won't find that. Someone who is perfectible, someone who is movable, someone who can be challenged. Someone who can, who can partner with you in life and you can run for the goal together. That's what you're looking for, right? If you're expecting this person to fulfill all your dreams and hopes, you can be greatly disappointed. That can only be fulfilled in one person. That's Jesus Christ. He fulfills. He satisfies. This person is going to hurt you at some point. Not on purpose, maybe, probably, but most of the time, not on purpose. Sometimes on purpose. But if you're putting all your hopes in that, it's, it's not going to fulfill. Only Christ can do that. These, this is a person to run towards him together. And this is why, honestly, it's kind of funny to watch a 16-year-old date. Because a 16-year-old and girl, and when I see 16-year-olds and they're fighting, they're, oh, she's so frustrated with him, I can't believe him. I'm like, I'm just laughing. Because what she's expecting of this 17-year-old guy is for him to be a savior. And he's not even ready to be a husband, let alone a savior. Which is a great question of why a 16-year-old is wading in these waters anyway. Okay, because here's the thing, y'all. Because I see it all the time. A ninth grade parent that's so excited. Oh, their kid has a first girlfriend. And they're all excited about that. Nobody 10 years later thinks that's a good idea. When you're 26, you're like, oh, that was worth it. All that emotion and all that conflict and all that frustration. Let's go back and do that again, huh? shall we? No one thinks it's a good idea. Not then, not now. Okay, if this is the on-ramp to dating, a marriage, it, it just raises great questions. This is why we got to get ahead of it, parents, because the culture is feeding it to them on Disney. I mean, that's it. Fifth graders, boyfriend, girlfriend. You got to get ahead of this before they're in middle school and talk through these things. And this is why, and this is what, it's, it's called parenting. It's called shepherding. And we, and we got to be doing it. All right? And, and students, let me just tell you a couple things real quick. Just students, real quick. Number one, they don't tell you this in middle and high school. The person you want to marry is the nerd. I'm just telling you, because he's the one that has the job. That's the rule number one, all right? <laughs> the cool guy is unemployed. I'm just telling you right now. I'm just telling you. Some of you ladies are like, marry the nerd. I know. Second, that's just a joke. But second thing is this. Your parents, I know that you don't think this, they know of what they speak. <laughs> we're, a, we're a Pentecostal church today, y'all. And, here, and here's why. You're like, oh, he just doesn't understand him. He doesn't understand. He does. He was him. And he's warning you about him. I'm just telling you. I know it's hard for some of you middle schoolers to hear this and high schoolers, even college. But your parents know, and, and you ought to trust godly parents. Now, if they're blown everything up and it's crazy and they've been married 17 times, yeah, you can be a skeptical. But if they have the kind of marriage that you're like, 
I, there's something there I want, then you ought to listen to them because they can see. So they're not trying to be hard. They just want what I want. I want one day, if God raises you in this church and you stay here, I want you to walk down this aisle and I want everyone to be joyful and I want you to make a great decision that's gonna bring you joy and satisfaction. That's what I want. And I want you to have regret. And so it's, it's time to start listening to some of y'all a little bit, okay? Um, so look for character. Trust Christ in this process. Uh, important, and important thing, look for someone in Christ. So what happens next, gotta summarize because we're running out of time is the servant throws some fat jewelry on old girl. He gives her a nose ring and a, a bunch of necklaces, like 10 shekels worth, like thousands of dollars of jewelry. And, and as a, just kind of a thank you and says, can I come to your house? I want to I talk. He makes his intentions clear. He, he, this, I'm looking for a spouse for my boss. And so he goes back to her house. He explains to her brother, who would have been the guy who did the contract in the day, and says, look, he gives him the whole story. He said, my master Abraham, he has a son, he's loaded. He's, he owns like half of the place. He's, he's looking for a, a wife for his heir. He wanted me to come back here. I prayed, God did this, God did this, and I prayed this, and, and, and she did this. And he explains everything just as it happened, right? And so then he, and he gets to the point, verse 49. He says, so if you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, because God has already, then tell me. And if not, tell me that I may go. He's like, hey, can she, can she be the wife or not? Because if not, I got to go find another. That's kind of a little, little pressure, right? But I love Laban's response, the brother. He says, and, 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 and the Bethuel, the thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebecca is before you. Take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. He's, he's basically saying, hey, this is a God thing. What, what are we going to say? No. I mean, it's clear you prayed this and this happened. That is a miracle. You, you prayed that God would lead you to the right spot in the desert, and he leads you to the right well at the right time. This is a God thing. Clear. God's providence, which is why, by the way, you can trust God, right? Because he'll get you there, right? He'll get you there. But let me just say this as a kind of a side note, because this is what some of y'all do. Don't use God as your trump card. And what I mean by that is this. Don't use the old, guys are bad at this. I think God wants us to date. I think God wants us to get married. I, it's, I, believe it or not, it did work for one of our guys. Miracle. I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise it. But here's, here, that puts way too much pressure on someone. If they're a follower of Christ and they hear God told me, well... They got to at least weigh that a little bit in light of scripture. If they are a follower of Christ though, God will talk to them too. So, so it should be a two person deal here. Well, he kind of smells bad, but God wants me to marry him. Okay. Now, okay. No, don't, don't put that pressure. Don't be so, just because we're Christian and dating is an honor after marriage doesn't mean just because you went bowling with a bunch of people and that person said, hey, that was a nice shot. Doesn't mean she wants to marry you. All right. So let's not be, oh, you want to go, you want to marry? Yeah, we went bowling. Okay, just don't be so spiritual that you're like, well, we did this. I thought we connected. We need to get married now. No, right? What we need is just honesty and openness with our singles where we talk about what it may look like when we're friends and we're like, hey, maybe there's some mutual interest here. Maybe we should go in this direction and pursue this. But what does this look like if we do that? And, and what if we don't feel like this is the direction God's leading? Having those open conversations up front can maintain friendship so that she's not at 1045 and you're at nine o'clock, right? So, so that you have integrity all the way through the process. So you're not stringing the heart along, knowing that this is going nowhere, but you don't want to hurt them because they're a, a Christian. That, that's, that's not doing anybody any good. So have those discussions up front so they're easier to have. And, and don't use the Holy Spirit as your scapegoat. You know, the, well, I don't feel like God wants us to continue to move on in this direction. All right, that's, the, that's the Christian version of it's not you, it's me. God's not, the Holy Spirit's convicting me of this. Just say, hey, I think we're great friends, but I don't see us as spouse. No. But that's, that's okay. Because that means there's somebody else that God has for you that's better than me. And it's, it's just be honest and not use God as our scapegoat or our trump card or all these things, okay? Just a side note. Verse 54. And so he said to the men who were, they, they say yes. And so he says, okay, send me away. It's time to go. God says it's all happening so fast. And they even they feel that tension. They say, her brother and her mother said, well, let the young woman remain a while. Give her 10 days. She, she hadn't even packed. She didn't say goodbye. She's got cousins. 
He said to them, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me that I may go to my master. I, I gotta go. I'm on a mission. Find a spouse, get home. They're like, and they say, so they say, hey, they end up saying, hey, let's ask her. What does she think? And she says, let's go. I'm ready. So she goes. Right? And, here's, and here's how the text closes. I love this. Now, Isaac had returned from Bir Lahe Roy and was dwelling in the land of the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field towards evening. And he lifted his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to her servant, who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, it is my master. Now imagine the feeling there. She's riding 400, 500 miles thinking, I hope this guy is not ugly. I know he's rich and that's good, but I hope he doesn't smell bad and have bad breath. I hope he's nice, right? There's a lot of tension there. And so he, this guy starts walking toward him. Who is that guy? That's, that's your husband. She, she wraps her face. She's modest. Again, a woman of character, right? And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. He tells him how God had led him and all these things. And Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah. And she became his wife and he loved her. Now notice the order there. This is why it's so radical to us. Ours is dating, go out, la, la, la. Then I fall in love, then I get married. With them, there is this commitment. And you think, oh, there's no way this is going to work. He loved her. He loved his wife. He'd never seen her. He loved her. And there's something here, and I'm not saying dads, although again, I'm highly suggesting this is a good model for us. There is something here, and this is my last point, and it's a big takeaway for us and why the modern day dating is broken. Because in the modern dating, we lead with intimacy and commitment follows. We need to start having commitment ahead of intimacy. And I'm not saying get engaged after one date. That's not what I'm saying. But there needs to be some ownership and we're both taking risks before we move to a certain point. Because our culture leads with this hyperconnection, whether it's physical, emotional, then break. Hyperconnection, physical, emotional, break. Hyperconnection, physical, emotional, break. And what it does is it turns people so vulnerable that they're fearful all the time or they're just callous and reckless. That's the dating process. And it's just setting up for failure. He leads with commitment and love follows. And again, I'm not saying we should do arranged marriages, but I think there's a healthy middle ground where we're not so hyper-connected right after two dates. And I love him, I know, he likes puppies. That we are able to slow this deal down. Where you would see single folks, that your the dating period is trajectory to marriage, but it's, it's, it's kind of like Star Trek. It's exploring brave new worlds. And it's a period of exploitation where I go to this planet. Are these people going to kill me? Are they, gonna, are, they, are they harmful? Are they good? And it's a period of exploration and, and seeing, right? That, that as you're looking, as you're praying, as you're seeking a person of character, that you then, once you meet someone, that potentially that, that you manage and slow intimacy down. Let me give you a chart. And intimacy is, is an idea of connecting and oneness. It's moving towards that direction. And here, here's kind of, let me put this on the chart for you. It's kind of a little bit crazy up there, and I don't know why, because I had it awesome on my slides, but that's another story. All right, so you got, on this chart, can you guys fix that by chance? Um, so you got objectivity and intimacy. When you first meet somebody, objectivity is way high, right? And, and, and theoretically, after you marry, I have another dot way over here that they've messed up. All right, no, I don't. All right, here's the dot. This is intimacy. All right, intimacy and the dot right here. After a long period of marriage, ideally, objectivity, which is up here, is low and intimacy is high. Okay? So, you, so objectivity high when you first meet and, and, and low after a long period, but intimacy is higher. And the... And the Y'all are killing me. Just turn it off. All right, here we go. You get the arrow. See that arrow that goes to here? Put it on again. This arrow to this dot is the path to marriage. It's the path to marriage. As you get closer and closer, objectivity drops, intimacy more so. Right? And what happens, the more and more you get connected, the more and more that ball drops, the more and more intimate, the less objective you make. And so... You, you have a very short window of opportunity to make a wise decision. Look at that. 
See, y'all get a hand. You have a very, go to the next one now. See if you got that one. There. Oh, you have a very short window as this thing goes down, as the ball drops, to make a wise decision. And I would argue it's pretty quick. Right, especially in a hyper-connected world. Let's go out tonight and tonight. We're talking fun. We're talking to the you know. So in this area right here, you got a short, short window of opportunity to make a wise decision. And if you get uber-connected, like our culture, uber-quick, and you're already over here, a couple things can happen. Number one, you get hurt, wounded, or worse, you marry a moron. And this is why some of you right now, you're like, your friends are like, dude, do you not see this and you're like no it's just no it's because you're so you're, you can't you're not objective anymore you don't see because you're not in love and he likes puppies and and you have no objectivity and so what we would say is this in this process of dating learn to manage intimacy slow this puppy down so you make a wise decision get in community ask questions have a mentor because once you cross this line because once engagement happens we would say once you're once you're engaged do not go for like, oh, we're going to get married in three years. Really? We always say, no, no, no. You, we, we want a quick engagement. Because this, this train, once the engagement happens, is rolling, baby. And so you got to have a timeline how you're going to manage intimacy. So you want to get married in six weeks? Well, you better hurry up and learn some things. You say, we got, we got six months. Okay, you got some time. We're going to slow this down. You say, well, we're not going to get married for six years because I'm 17 and I don't want to get married at 24. If you're going to manage intimacy for six years, then you better keep it way, 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 way objective. Because that is, I would say you can't, it's very difficult to do that. Which again, ask the question, 17-year-old, if you're like, well, I'm not going to get married until I'm 24, then, then, then you don't need to be on this field. You just don't need to be there. You don't need all the trouble. Save your money. Right? Save your money. Okay? And so that's, that's what we would say. Just that you would slow that down so you can make a wise decision. Right? And again, this is the one, this is the one part that, that's really culturally different. But that you would, and then once you realize this, I think there needs to be some, some exclusivity here. That's the commitment side. And you have open conversations. And what does this look like? And what is your intention? Because if his intention is, oh, we're just having fun. Ladies, great. Go bowling with him. Don't date him. Right? Because he's, not, he's got no purpose. He's got no trajectory. Now, if you hang out with him after a year and, he, and, you're, and then you he like him as a friend, you're like, yeah. This, and he, he wants to take a step. That's different. But don't, just don't scatter yourself like that. Some intentionality. Right? Look, again, I, I got lots more to say, and there's plenty of books that are more, more inf, informational and probably good. But I'll, let me say this. I didn't do this right. I did some things right. I married a believer, right? But quite honestly, was I a man of character? Was I a new Christian? Probably not what I should have been. God is gracious and he redeems. I mean, I, the fact that I got married to a Christian, the only reason I think Sarah liked me, I had a Jeep. <laughs> that's, that's how I got her to date me. Had a Jeep. Didn't have a job yet. Had a Jeep. That's all I needed. <laughs> I missed my Jeep. But, but you know what? God was gracious. I got saved that summer. We started dating because she wouldn't date a non-believer. So officially, she, she held the standard that was, that was beautiful. Got saved that summer. That fall started officially, exclusively. And, and we waited through that. And, and God was gracious in 18 years. But we didn't do everything perfect. And so if you're like, man, we're living together. What do we do? Look, there's a bunch of folks that have messed this deal up. I'm telling you. And, and my, my encouragement to you is, look, is there some work that probably needs to be done? Yes. Is God gracious? Absolutely. And he, he wants your marriage to picture his relationship with us. That, that's perfect and joyful. And it can be that. Singles, that's what he wants for you. If he, if he gives you this great gift of marriage. If not, then singleness is going to be a great gift too. But that, that's where we want is, is people raised in the type of homes that there's love and there's, and there's care and there's, there's compassion and there's all these things. But it, we got to get ahead of it for some of us. There's a lot of work. So just a couple questions as you guys, you know, you can work through these in your community groups and you can ask these questions. Older folks, is there any folk that you're building into? You're talking to anybody. This is why I love our community groups because you get the older and the younger mixed. It's, it's great. You got a, the couple that's 63, been married 40 years, and you have this guy who's like, I think I'm going to ask her out. What do you think I should do? And he goes, go for it. You know, that, that's the kind of relationships we want. Right? So older folks, are you building into the younger? Parents, are you thinking about this at all? Is this on your radar? Because if your kid is in sixth grade, you're like, oh, he's not interested in boys. 
you're smoking crack. Because <laughs> all his friends are dating already. I'm just telling you, you got to get ahead of it. All right? Folks that are single or dating, does Christ look better? Is he, is he attractive to a world because of the way you're dating? This is going to be a way that you can be light in a lost world, is the way you date. And so all, of, all sorts of implications with purity and all sorts of things. Remember, real simple. Everyone in this church of the opposite sex is either your sister, your brother, okay, or your wife. You get one wife, everyone else is brother or sister. Treat her like a sister until the day she's your wife. And I can tell you this, none of you are on the couch at one in the morning under a blanket with your sister. You're not. You're not, you're, it's not wise. I'm telling you. But what does it mean to honor God in our dating? And ask yourself the question, am I looking for this person to fulfill something that only Christ can? Even in my marriage now, am I looking for this person to, to be able to be my, my everything and my all in all? Only, only Christ the Savior can be your all in all. Now this guy or this gal, they're gonna follow and they're gonna make mistakes and, they're, and God's gonna redeem that, but they're never gonna make all your dreams come true. Only Christ can do that. That is our hope. That's why he is the picture for marriage, y'all. He is the picture of, of the husband who loves his wife unconditionally. He gives his life for his bride. He is the picture of the wife who's supposed to follow her husband as he follows the father. He is the model and marriage glorifies him. And that's what we want. You got questions? Cain or Rad? Don't come to me because I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> let's worship. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You give good gifts. Marriage is one of them. So is singleness. And wherever you put our folks... On, on that path, we know that you have great things for your people, that you love them, that you gave your son for them, that you redeemed them. Uh, use just even one or two of these principles for our young folks. For, I pray for them, Lord. They, there is tension and there is temptation more than we can fathom some of these young guys and gals are facing. There's loneliness of the 35-year-old or the 42-year-old that wants to be married. We got all sorts of struggles there, Lord. You be their savior. You be their redeemer. You comfort. You lead uh, and we will, we will rejoice in you, our great God. I just pray that our marriages, even though some are, are great right now, some are not so great, that, that, that we will be looking to you as our example, as our model, as our Savior. It's in Christ's name I pray.